stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Guaranteed to be less thrilling than an Argentina knockout game. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 147 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. And uh, this is the second time we're recording this now because we tried this on Monday night and we had all sorts of Discord server issues which led to me pulling a sulky face on Twitter. It, it, it wasn't fun. No one likes my sulky face. It's, it's, it's not nice. But um, we're here to try this again. And um, in, in, in sad news because my two colleagues are... Trying to suck in World Cup culture, but are obviously still very sad that they couldn't get past Panama and Trinidad in their group qualifying progress. RJ has adopted the new sport of slam ball. Tell us more. <laughs> That's right. You know, you know, Italy, the Netherlands, fans of sport in the United States, you don't have to be sad. Because slam ball is coming back, folks. You pop that shit on YouTube... It's a 20-minute game. It's every bit as fun as you remember. Stan Shakes Fletcher is every bit of the god of slam ball that you remember from your youth. And it's coming back. Because Mason Gordon wants it to be a thing in China. He gets it in on the grassroots level. And, oh, buddy, we're talking about the next big four sport. <laughs> it's slam ball. It's coming back. You yeah, can, slam you ball. Sport of the future. Next thing you know, these two are going to be trying to shell you cryptocurrencies and all that now, too. <laughs> Pip, join... You could take, take Big 3 basketball. Fox Sports can take its Big 3 basketball, and it could stuff it right in the fucking dumpster where it belongs. <laughs> yeah, NBC, ABC, CBS, you, you, you want something to air on TV during the summer? Bam, slam ball. Yeah, we're going right over the top of its uh, former home, which has now changed names for, like, the 20th time since it was originally on TV. It's now the Paramount Network. Are you two quite finished? <laughs> That's fine. I mean, we're just sad that we didn't get a chance to get beat up by Panama. Six to one. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming home, lads. Beat, lads. Up, beat up by England. Six to one. We already got that work from Panama. <laughs> yep. That could have been us getting a hat trick. A double hatcher sword on us by Harry Kane. Lads, lads, yeah, we, we, we miss we miss scenes of Christian Pulisic just like just crying his eyes out. The, the o- don't put that evil on Christian. The, the, <laughs> the only American soccer player worth a damn at the moment. <laughs> but uh, you're not wrong. Uh, oh dear, oh dear. But hey, we beat Panama six one. It's coming home, lads. It's coming home. We'll be playing World in Motion and Free Lines from Medeal and Skinner all the way through the next month because this is typical England where, for God's sake, we win one game at the World Cup and then everyone in this country loses its goddamn mind. It is raining beer in West London as we speak. You, 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 don't even, you can't even tell. It's ridiculous. It's, it's limbs everywhere. The country is united like it's the London 2012 Olympics all over again. Like... The left and the right side of politics has come together to celebrate our boys and Harry Kane, who's the current tournament top scorer. It's a, it's really weird how these things turn out. So, but uh, yeah, 
King, football's coming home. Uh, it's 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 coming home. You, you just don't know it yet. Trust me. <laughs> just just don't know it. I I won't know it until el- until England's eliminated in probably like round two or the quarterfinal. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, listen. We we I know we're probably getting knocked out by Germany in the quarterfinals if they can probably get past Brazil. But uh, hey, I'm still all aboard. I'm still all aboard the hype train. It's it's I'm all yeah. I'm all up on the hype train. Just just send help to Russia. They are apparently running out of beer at an alarming rate. Um, but but I'm I'm good to I good to see good. <laughs> it's again, good man. to know that that you just letting that Gary Lineker quote just sink in. That you know soccer it's just a game where twenty two guys get around a ball. At the end, the Germans win. <laughs> Well, um, I think uh, this uh, group stage has proven that's uh, that's not as comfortable a thing as. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm 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 telling you now, like we just we were recording this at nine twenty on June twenty sixth, and the Argentina Nigeria game finished about half an hour ago, and I can tell you right now that somewhere Diego Maradona is ordering the Donald Trump special. It's uh, <laughs> l- 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 again, I don't think you know what that means. <laughs> Oh. Let's just say that yellow liquid is non-dairy. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Um, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. But uh, in the means, this is episode one hundred forty-seven. Um, this is our this is our episode called Maximum Break, or as we call it in French, a break royale, because we're going to be talking about the French Grand Prix. Indeed, indeed. Um, it was Lewis, our editor and uh, Bike Life commander in chief, that came up with the idea of having snooker-related puns in last week's episode of Bike Life. Um, so you can check that out if you haven't already. Um, but uh, yeah, basically you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com uh, forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, we can, if you can follow us on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, if you want to follow our personal handles, you can do so at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, and at our RJ O'Connell, if you haven't already. He hasn't changed his Twitter name to Rory O'Sullivan yet. He's working on that as we yeah. speak. That's fine. Just give me five minutes, 20 seconds on the clock. That's all I need, buddy. Sweet. Um, and if you really like us, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. As an apology for last week's audio issues, this episode, if you're listening to it right now, will be up for just a buck on early access. So if you haven't already... Now's a really good time to be a uh, Patreon backer. Shout out to Resi Respatin as well. So if I mispronounced your name there for being our latest Patreon backer as well. Many, many thanks to you, sir. Um, if you haven't already, $5 gets you early access under normal circumstances to both this show and to Bike Live. Episode 65 went live this past Sunday. And it is a review of all the MotoGP action at Catalonia, as well as the British Superbikes at Snetterton. A pretty crazy news headline sort of story um, in Catalonia this past weekend. Jorge Lorenzo wins his second race in a row um, um, in classic Jorge Lorenzo metronomic fashion. Um, Andrea De Vizioso bins it again, which means now, after all the disaster about Lorenzo's start to the year in Ducati, he now has the same number of points as Dovi. And it's ahead of him on count back. It's amazing how these things turn out in bike racing. Sometimes it's great. Um, all of that. Marquez in second. And um, guys, you did see that. Mark Marquez turned 14. 125 mile an hour save. <laughs> I, I believe it. I don't think I saw it, but I absolutely believe it. If you told me that Mark Marquez just saved something that couldn't be saved, I was just like, yeah, that's. I, I absolutely believe it. Hang on, I'm I'm going to pull the video footage of this. I will find this. 
I, I, I'm going for a live reaction here. But uh, there was a whole bunch of uh, interesting stories. Obviously, we had Lorenzo, we had Marquez in second, we had Dovi falling again, unfortunately. Um, in Moto2, the first Grand Prix win for the much-touted French Marc Marquez, Fabio Quattararo winning his first ever Grand Prix. Um, the second youngest Moto2 winner of all time, ahead of a certain Marquez, believe it or not. Just 19 years and 58 days when he won said title. Um, or said, or said had that record, should I say. But uh, yeah, Fabio Quattararo winning in Moto2. Miguel Oliveira going from 17th to 2nd. Basically, in the space of about four laps, um, he's a bit crazy. Just, just saying, um, talented there. And, and Moto Three as well. The title race been blown wide open. Title favorite Jorge Martin crashing on his own this time. He wasn't collected by somebody. Uh, spun out from the lead in turn eight. Um, Tazushi Suzuki, who was following him, basically had to swerve out of the way. And this one, he ended up getting swapped into the into the midfield. It was a total shit show. And then in the Indonesia Bastinini ended up with the W on that one, as well as BSB in Stetterton, where Leon Haslam took a double to, to now increase his winning streak to five. Five consecutive wins for Leon Haslam in the BSB series now, taking full advantage of Shaky Burn not being there, a double DNF for Bradley Ray. All sorts of chaos over there as well. I'm time feeling just a little bit because I'm going to find the save if, it's, if it kills me. Give me two seconds here, fellas. Folks, this is, um, is real-time here. We're, we're, we're yeah. real life. Um, Amaze reacts. There we go. All right, there we go. So we're pulling this up here. Um, yeah. This is uh, this is Mark Marquez. Uh, he's doing something. This is fun. the final corner at Catalonia. You're going at 140 miles an hour at corner entry because this is the new turn 14 because they brought back the old turn 13. Um uh, the so the, sh- the chicane that used to be there is now gone before it and uh yes uh marquez came into this corner a little bit too hot shall we say um yeah i don't think i'll be able to watch that because it's on bt sports page so yeah geo uh, sh- shit some of us on bt sport um, give me a minute. <laughs> no, that's, that's, um, yeah, we, we we don't steal content, Dre. We're not more, like more, more <laughs> in our news segments. <laughs> more, yeah, more on more on the on the on the crazy Saudi Arabian government state-owned channel and, and well, well, spoilers, Dre, spoilers. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Nobody heard that. <laughs> it, it, it's. It's it's crazy to say the least, but uh, I, I I'm I'm still digging this out. It's uh it's it's pretty crazy to say the least. Um, <laughs> I'll see if I can find it later on in the show. Let's put it that way. Okay. Actually, I think I found the link. Actually, hang on. I think I found one. I think I found one. We're real professionals on this show. We're real professionals. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's go ahead and let's go ahead and look at this here. Let's get, I'm just saving this. Yeah. Let's pop this up. <laughs> the longest oh. one of his career. Oh, oh, golly. Oh, oh. oh, oh, dear. Mark, Mark, my son, please be careful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not the best camera angle in the world for it, I will, I will openly admit, but, uh... No, just yeah, later, is... yeah, later in the video, they show the, the wide angle. Yeah, it is... 
utterly ridiculous. That is a hundred and twenty-five miles an hour. That slide was measured. That, by the way. Yeah. Like Yellows. when he lost when he when he lost the front at Valencia that one time. That was at ninety-five miles an hour. That was at thirty miles an hour more than that, and he still saved it. Damn. That might be. That might be the greatest Marquez save of them all, and it's it just it's terrible. He's the only man on the planet that can do that. It's 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 not fair. It is he, he is not fair. It is not fair. Um, all of that and much more in episode sixty-five of Bike Live, available right now. Don't forget as well, if you back us at the ten dollar level, you also get access to our Discord server where you can listen to the, all these shows as they are being recorded, and you can band of a bunch of other people in the Discord chat, including the three of us. It's a fun time for all involved. So, without further ado, shall we get into the the Blake Royale, the French Grand Prix of 2018? Yeah, I think we should. Oh yeah, I think we should. Play that funky music. Someone play the French national anthem in the background. It's King's favourite because uh, <laughs> for the first time in a decade, uh, Grand Prix racing has come home to France. And Paul Ricard, home of the French Grand Prix for 2018. And uh, oh, we got a lot to get into in this weekend. Not most, not mostly because of the race. It's, it's, it's just a weird one because normally on this show we've joked about it for the last couple of rounds now. Normally, the action is shit and everything else is more interesting. This time round, it was actually probably more the other way around. The race was actually not too bad, <laughs> and it ends up everything else was kind of a shit show. It's uh, it's kind of weird, but uh, we'll get into it here. So, qualifying happens on the Saturday. Um, we'll go from the top here. Um, no, 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 no. We need to go all the way to the top. Let's start back on Friday and practice. Well, for those of us who could have seen practice. <laughs> Oh this! Uh, oh yeah! Uh, this 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 wasn't pretty. Um, turns out the traffic to get into the area was uh, kind of a nightmare on this one. I think there was, I think I'm right in thinking there was only one road going into the circuit. Yeah, there was yeah. only a one two lane road into the circuit, so like one way each direction. So they only had one lane in. That's completely ridiculous. It's a Grand Prix circuit with over 50,000 people coming down there. Like, did, did nobody think this through? <laughs> uh, I, I think I think on the Discord server, I literally compared it to Tanacon, as in, no one expected this many people to actually show up for this. Yeah, um, they were expecting a good crowd of around 50,000 people. Uh, they ended up getting 65,000 instead, which, you know, that's a problem you want to have until people have to sit in a queue with traffic for hours. Yeah, so they they so they, they underestimated their own event by 15,000 people, which wasn't great. And I know he's a quite famous F1 Twitter figure. Fake Charlie Whiting was uh, documenting his escapades. Um, trying to get into the circuit on the Friday, I would I would be able to tell you more about this, but unfortunately he he has me blocked on Twitter. He's not the only one. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, 
Yeah, but to say the least, safe to say, I, I saw it on the F1 subreddit as well, there was a lot of people that could not get in on the Friday at all and missed both practice sessions, um, which is obviously a nightmare situation. And from what I've heard so far, King, there has been no sign of an apology from F1 or Paul Ricard or any sort of a refund for basically... No. Um, the traffic issues that, that, that no one could basically get into the track for both on on the Friday, so that's a that's a real goddamn shame. Um, yeah, there is yeah. no there's no there's no refunds at the granddaddy of them all. <laughs> the it's not the granddaddy of them all. That's and the accor- granddaddy uh, of a mall. And according to estimates, uh, on Friday on Friday only thirty thousand people made it into the circuit. <laughs> So that so that means rough rough count about twenty thousand people missed out. Yeah, so like a lot of people turned back. A lot of people actually just parked their car and walked several kilometers up the road to the circuit. That's ridiculous. like this pulled over to the side of the road, left it there, and just walked. Yeah, we're gonna be like, we're literally faster in walking. Like that's 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 ridiculous. That should never. How is there only one road open for this? Well, there uh. Like, crazy enough, like, this is not the first time Paul Ricard has hosted a Grand Prix. Yes, it's been, like, the first time since 1990, but they've hosted a Grand Prix before. Uh, to my knowledge, there's never been any traffic issues this large. Probably because uh, there's another way in. There's there's a road only for staff, and we need to get into that situation with Vettel and Grosjean trying to get into the circuit. <laughs> And the police pretty much said, no, you can't go this way. <laughs> but because the police were on foot, they just drove off. It's like, sod it. <laughs> the irony that there is only one road into Paul Ricard when Paul Ricard has so many different roads to navigate it, which leads to our to our other lesser problem of the weekend. Yeah, track track layout confusion to say the least. Where people like drivers like Sebastian literally almost got lost at one point. They went full captain slow and just basically went like forgot which layout the track was. Which I know I know Paul Ricard's got like over six hundred possible variations of of circuit. It's almost like it's a test track or something. But um, it's. <laughs> Uh, turns out there was more than one on the mind of many a driver. I, g- I guess they rocked the long configuration into R Factor Two, didn't they? Um, it's <laughs> just like just watch just watch any single seater race prior to this or the Paul Ricard One Thousand Kilometers. They use this same exact track layout. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! So that that, that caused a, that caused it'll a, help. It, it would have helped. To, yeah, certainly caused a few practice issues to say the least on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, just 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 watch a Formula Renault three point five race. They, I'm sure they exist via totally legal internet sources. Um, but uh, as the weekend ploughed on, we got some rain in FP three. Um, we thought, ooh, rain! This could get exciting. No, it took it dried out before qualifying. Damn it! Um, but. Uh, Qualifying was a fun one. Um, Lewis Hamilton, in the end, with his 75th career pole position. The diamond uh, for for Lewis Hamilton. Uh, a, a, a doozy of a lap on that one. Uh, just a tenth ahead of Valtteri Bottas, who, again, has done a very good job of, of keeping Lewis honest in their time together so far. Um, well, at least in this the way this season has played out. Valtteri on the front row for a 1-2 Mercs lockout. And uh, Sebastian Vettel spearheading the, the second row in third. 
More on that later, it becomes important. But uh, the other major takeaway from qualifying was, well, the me-eating-a-humble-pie moment as Charles Leclerc makes his first ever Q3 and qualifies eighth on the grid for for Salba Alfa Romeo. Um, <laughs> what can you say about this kid that hasn't been said already? He, he, he's utterly phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. every bit as good as advertised. Yeah, and if he, if he if he you know lapped his Q two time in Q three, he would have he would have been seventh on the grid. Golly. Um. Yeah. In Sa- for, for Sauber, which might be like the second from the bottom in terms of overall car on the grid in terms of in terms of ability right now, and Leclerc's making Q threes. Um. I was firmly on the camp of. Oh, yeah, you keep Kimi Raikkonen, let's not go too much into this. Let's, like, why are we so keen to rush this kid in? And uh, now I kind of see why. Um, <laughs> I- no, I'm still, personally, I'm still not in that camp. I think they still, you need to let them develop. The Sauber, you know, the Sauber with, you know, investment from Fiat Group, the, the car is going to improve. Just keep them there for one more year. Let them ease into it. Sure, sure. I mean... There could be an opening at Haas next year if he wants to continue his development. I mean... Oh, no, he's not going to Haas. <laughs> we sure? No. We'll get in that shortly. Yeah, more on that later. But, uh, yeah, the Charles Leclerc hype train rolled into the wagon uh, roughly 5pm on Sunday afternoon um, as well. More on that in a little bit. But uh, the other uh, key takeaway from qualifying, both McLarens. Failing to get out of Q1, um, it it kind of set the tone for a pretty miserable return to normality for Fernando Alonso and co. Um, but mostly <laughs> Fernando Alonso. Yes, P- professional sadness man, Fernando Alonso. But uh, yeah, both both McLarens out in Q1. I mean, both Williams out in Q1. That's much less surprising at this point. Um, but, uh, I mean, King, like, what is going on in this McLaren camp now? Because, like, the, the, we've had some, like, half-rumoured stories as the, uh, you know, as, as the week has gone on leading up to this Grand Prix, including 25p chocolate bars, potentially, as rewards, depending on who you ask in the media. Hashtag um, Fredogate. Fredo Gates, you know, like, yes, Fredo's on our 25p each, the inflation's a motherfucker. Um, and also, it's like talks of an in-house mutiny in an attempt to try and bring back Martin Whitmarsh? But the um, thing is that literally everyone has confirmed this, including Martin Whitmarsh. The only people who haven't confirmed this, funnily enough, are Motorsport.com and Autosport. You know, really? Hmm. <laughs> Totally not a conflict of interest there. Hey, kids. Um, but, uh, oh, boy. So everyone else has pretty much said it, that, yeah, McLaren is going through inner turmoil, but, of course, the big two are not broadcasting this. Mm. Totally yeah. not related. Hey, and kids. and during the weekend, there was a crisis team meeting held in the motorhome, and basically a quote from Stoffel Van Dorn, I can't tell you exactly what was said, but there was... A uh, little word of encouragement for the whole team. All the staff were there. It's difficult times for us, but everyone is pushing, and we hope it gets better soon. Like, but don't worry. They've got the best chassis in Formula 1. And, and they're going to IndyCar. 
and it could it's be going to the placebo mormon. effect Though that's also one of the reasons that, you know, there's this mutiny that pretty much they feel like the team should not be expanding to Le Mans and IndyCar. It's it's crazy because it, like it's like I've had a couple of, of curious cat questions about this as well. It's like are, are we sure that this team should be expanding so readily? Like like the F one team Well they want to win, don't they? They do. Uh, I'm sure like, they can help it. Part part of me wants to believe that one of the reasons why McLaren wants to expand IndyCar and endurance racing is because they wouldn't need to be successful in Formula One. The like, yeah, Formula One team's doing poorly. You guys can keep doing poorly. We don't have to care about you anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was it was no secret that uh, during the IndyCar weekend at Road America that uh, McLaren have approached Scott Dixon with the possibility. Of, of driving the papaya orange uh, for next season. So, like, the, the, the global expansion is, is well and truly on here by the looks of it. Um, but with their F1 team slipping back down the field after an excellent start by all accounts, um, they're slipping quickly by the looks of it. And, oh boy, um, it's... If they're calling a crisis team meeting, that's normally like in football manager when you get when you get the vote of confidence from the board. It's it's the you know your ass is in a sling here moment basically. And uh, but like funnily enough, they they don't want to like get rid of Zach Brown. They want to yeah they want to re- have Martin Whitmarsh replace Eric Boulier. Yeah, the racing principal. I was just about to tell you. I was just about to say. I don't think Eric Bouillet is long for this job. <laughs> no, really. T- t- no. Tell me more, RJ. Okay. <laughs> no, um, he's had a good. I want to say it's been four years to try and turn this around and get the ship right. It's at it's least three. Like yeah, yeah. It's been at least three. I don't think Eric Boulier's been bad at this job, but it's kind of just like you may want to try something different, just for a change. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's that's the thing though. Where, where does McLaren go from here? I mean, like we all know the well-documented, you know, disastrous relationship with Honda over the last three years or so, and oh, now McLaren said that they re- need a works relationship. Hmm. Really. That's a that, 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 that's a thing in a, in a in a sport where the factory team has been back now for three years and you did you, you didn't you didn't spot this in the background you know with yeah. like hello anyone like <laughs> it, it 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 just screwy from McLaren to never going to get any sort of works relationship with a team that already has its own factory team and one of the better teams in the sport powering them for at least one more season because oh. As, since, as of the last recording, Red Bull's now on Honda Power for, as of 2019. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, Renault, as it stands, have the third and fourth best teams in F1 at the moment on their power units. Um, and McLaren are looking like they're falling down the order quite quickly. Um, so, I don't know what McLaren are expecting, to be honest with you. But uh, we'll, we'll see how they fix, they fix that mess, to say the least. So, end of the race. Is this, is this the part where everyone looks at me in the corner and they're like, what? What happened? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bad start, bro. <sighs> okay. Oh, boy. 
the, for context, in case you haven't seen the start of the, of the race itself, um, it's a fairly long run now to turn to turn one at Paul Ricard, funnily enough. And uh, basically, Sebastian Vettel got the British Transport Police rolling roadblock treatment into turn one, where there wasn't much he could do. Hamilton was in front of him directly. Obviously, there was no way around him on the left-hand side of the track. Um, that's where Hamilton had parked his car, so he was always going to lead into turn one. It was growing quickly into a free-wide situation into turn one with Vettel on the inside, Bottas in the middle, and then Verstappen coming around the outside. Um, Vettel's boxed in, he breaks a little bit too late, locks up a front tyre, um, and then basically slides and uh, bangs into the side of Valtteri Bottas's rear tyre. Um, gives Bottas a puncher, severely damages Vettel's front wing. Um, a lot of cars take the scenic route across the chicane. And that effectively ends, well, for a little while at least, before ended the competitive races of uh, Seb and Val for the race. Seb was given a five-second time penalty for the excursion. Um, what I find funny about this one, King, is that like Lewis Hamilton was a, was calling for a harsher punishment because, of course, he was. <laughs> but like I, I saw, I saw the video on the F1 YouTube channel. Like Sebastian and Valtteri were actually very well measured <laughs> and very understanding of the situation. They were just very docile about the whole thing. Whereas Lewis is like, punish him harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Games, gamesmanship in Formula One never heard of it. Never. Myth. Like I, I knew something like this was going to happen because I think uh, Martin Brundle had brought it up in the pre-race show. This is one of the rare times I actually watched the, the pre-race show in its entirety, and he talks about this conversation he had with Anthony Davidson, who you know does sim work for Mercedes. <laughs> And Ant told him that, uh, basically, turn one is a fifth-gear corner. And Brundle openly said, I didn't believe it was a fifth-gear corner. There's no way that corner is that fast. And he says, yeah, I did a, you know, uh, a demo run in a car. Yeah, in a Formula 1 car, it's a fifth-gear corner. In a road car, it's second or a third. But with the wider tires and all the downforce, they could take that corner so much faster. So they could break so much later. So... And the difference between the cars is so massive. So uh, just breaking a bit earlier than someone, you know, someone behind you expects to is going to cause a massive accident. That's why you saw, like, a bunch of the guys in the back were already prepared to just go across the runoff because they knew it was going to be a shit show and they couldn't slow down because they would fall way too far behind. Yep, and that's what we got, basically. Um... <laughs> Was a, was a five second penalty the right call? I, I like to think it was. Um, it, it, it's a first. Yeah, it's, it, it's a typical it, first lap. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? <sighs> the first lap accident. The corner, like in the context that the corner was so fast that pretty much, uh, if something happened, it would be essentially unavoidable if the car was right in front of you. Yeah, just just seemingly like one of those things, really. Um, bit of gamesmanship from Lewis, by the sounds of it. Just basically, you know, just trying to upset the apple cart, you know, throw, sh yeah. throw shade and typical bitchy Lewis. Um, do we bitchy Lewis things? But um, like I said, I, I did find it funny how uh, how how docile and polite Valtteri and Seb was regarding the incident. Just, even Val was just like, this just seems to be one of those things, man. Um, and, you know, we, we got on with it. They, they came back out on the soft tyre. Um, there was a safety car because there was another lap one incident. Um... Continuing the unfortunate trend of hometown hero disasters, 
Pierre Gasly um, and Esteban Ocon, the two French, two of the three Frenchmen in the field, took each other out in turn four. Um, <laughs> it's like Vince McMahon himself booked it. You're not doing well in your hometown, son. Nope. CM Punk is never coming back to Chicago on a WWE <laughs> television program, and Esteban Ocon, Big Oak, was not scoring points in the state. Damn it. Uh, that, that's a real shame. It looked like oh, uh, Pierre just kind of get Pierre just kind of lost the rears coming into breaking, um, and on his radio message, he said that Ocon just moved in and closed the door on him, although it kind of looked like Gasly had already lost the car. Yeah, I, I, contact, I, I... But that's... From, from what I saw of it, it looked like Gasly took too much curb and just lost control of the car, and Esteban just, just happened to be collected, really, as a result of that one. Um, if I had to apportion blame, not that it really mattered anyway, because they both just got a reprimand, stewards looked at it and they said, you know what, we, we kind of think you're both to blame here. Consider your wrist severely slapped, don't do it again, and um, we'll just call it the end of it, because they, they, they both could no longer continue, they were both out of the race, so what's the point of you know, a real punishment there when they thought it was 50-50? Um, so yeah, as a result, that so we, we were down two cars off the opening lap, um, two of the main contenders were, were at the back of the field, which is where we got most of the fun, to be honest. Um, most of, most yep. of the fun walking off the midfield, and... Uh, Boy, if this didn't accentuate the differences in cars between many of the guys in the field, then I don't know what did. I mean, you're looking at a good second and a half a lap in some of these in some of these cases. Um, I I think I, I mean correct me if I'm wrong here, fellas, but I fe- I get the impression that the DRS zone was a bit too much. Um, like like they they were blowing past each other on that main straight. Um, it, it's they. I think yeah. they gave him a bit too much to believe. I mean, we we heard there was a, a drivers' meeting, and they they've they've put it forward. They don't want the chicane um, on the Mistral straight for next year. Um, if they can help it to you know, further aid overtaking, basically. But uh, yeah, it, it, it. I don't think Valtteri Bottas needed much help. Not at Labose Corner. Like, there was a lot of passing there. We were all worried that there wasn't going to be any passing at Paul Ricard. There was a fair amount of passing. Granted, you had to put two very quick cards at the back of the grid to start the race to get some of it, but you got passing nonetheless. Yeah, kids, if it if it's not a problem with uh, the nature of I'm being unable to pass, it was certainly a problem with the nature of, <laughs> well, essentially, it, like we could pass if your car's a second and a half a lap quicker. Um, which is exactly what Ferrari and Mercedes are in the context of the midfield and basically Vettel and Bottas um, basically making mincemeat of the midfield for the most part. Sebastian with some great moves. Bottas has some very good moves there as well. Um, not where you normally would expect. Um, I'd also, shout out to Kimi Raikkonen. He had a fun little wheel-to-wheel fight in there with Daniel Ricciardo as well. Uh, nice to see Daniel Ricciardo beaten in his own game for once, which I thought was quite funny. Um, old, old boy still got it. Nice to to see as Raikkonen beat Ricardo for the last spot on the podium, which, to be fair, given the Paul Ricard trophies, I think Ricardo might have been the true winner. Um... All I'm going to say is that inflatable gorilla outside the uh, the tire megastore super sale, um, it needed work. Yeah. And uh, I'm very proud for getting that work. <laughs> He's getting that. Like, if you've not seen the um, hilarious looking trophies that uh, they were giving out after the race itself, um, 
It's the, the, I, I believe the Paul Ricard mascot is a giant gorilla, which is, you know, as you do in, in, in a Grand Prix weekend. Um, they had the mascot on the trophy painted in the French flag colours, you know, blue, white, red. And, and um, <laughs> King, is, is, is that one for the paperweight? Or is that one you put in the trophy cabinet for you? Oh, paperweight. It, it really looks like they took the uh, Miles the Monster, the... Like, if you're familiar with NASCAR, oh, he's, like, yes. the mascot the, for, for Dover. That's, yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when I yep, saw him. Yep, there it is. Also, also how does this uh, compare to the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog trophy that Ayrton Senna won for the 93 European Grand Prix at Donington? So, oh, this one's worse. It, 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 this one's it's worse. It's worse. Sonic the Hedgehog is charming. Like, it's charming. It's iconic. Yeah, it's right. a big sponsor. People recognize Sonic the Hedgehog. You don't recognize a giant blue, white, and red gorilla on a mantelpiece. <laughs> like, like you know, if, if, if any of those three dudes on that podium have, like, got to basically uh, have, have, like, f- like fra- family around for a family dinner, they could just sit there and explain where the hell you got that, that paperweight from. Like, at least you've got a cool story, if that helps. Yeah. <laughs> um... I can't help you with much else than that on, on, on this one, I'm afraid. But uh, at least the paperweight looks nice. Um, they just send it to BSB for their Riders' Cup for the guy that finishes 7th in the season and doesn't make the showdown. There's an idea. I, I have the paperweight. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long-running bike life jokes for you fans out there. Um, but yeah, in the end, we had Lewis Hamilton win, I'd say, very comfortably, to be fair. I mean, jeez, he, he was never challenged the whole way through Verstappen just didn't have the answer for him on the day but you know nice to see Verstappen have a nice quiet second place um just minding his own business um and again as mentioned Kimi Raikkonen beating Daniel Ricciardo for third Sebastian Vettel in the end finishing fifth on which as as behalf on the behalf of the Vettel camp I will say we've had worse days um that's not a bad recovery at all things considered um Having to serve a five-second time penalty in the pits and trying to go the whole, basically the whole race distance on one set of softs. Uh, I mean, that definitely turned out better for him than it did for Lance Stroll, who did try to go the whole distance and blew a tire in the with like three laps to go. I love that everybody was begging for a safety car and yet, like in the second half of that race because the action had completely died down. And it got to a point where I was like, Lance, why couldn't you done that like five laps earlier? <laughs> Because the race basically <laughs> ended on the VSC um, as a result of Stroll's puncher. Um, so that, well, that was quite funny. Um, we were also begging for rain. There was, apparently there was about a 50-50 chance of rain. Of course it pisses it down about an hour after the Grand Prix finishes. Just like Spain all over again, folks. Because I remember there was a full-on thunderstorm like an hour after the Spanish Grand Prix of Catalonia finished. <laughs> and it's a similar deal here in France. So uh, yeah, the... Yes. Welcome to the Grand Prix of Rain is Arriving in 20 Minutes. We, we think, we, we think maybe, <laughs> we think. like sprinkles um, <laughs> and all that. Uh, mentioned a few other guys further down the field. Kevin Magnussen. Um, when his head is screwed on, the man can still very much drive a race car. And sixth place for him. I mean, Haas would do this, I think, really, given they've, they've had some really yep. wretched luck. Um, a lot of things out of their drivers' hands, and they've they've blown a lot of good chances to score chunky points. Um, and K Mag brought home a very nice, what was it, eight points for sixth for sixth place. I think that I think that's their best result of the season so far. So uh, I think that'll do nicely for for, for the Americans. Hey, King. Ah, uh, yeah, it'll it'll do, it'll do. It's the best we're gonna get. It's the best that Haas is gonna get. 
It gives them clear. It gives them breathing room over Toro Rosso in the constructors' championship. It puts them one point behind Force India, who had a double DNF. Perez with an engine failure and Ocon with this aforementioned crash. Um, um, like, yeah. Merck's talked about how they brought an engine upgrade to this weekend, talking about increasing reliability, and one of their engines conks out. I mean, yeech. Not not the best of luck. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that that wasn't pretty, to say the least. Um, but uh, yeah, double DNF for Force India. They're not going through a particularly fun time at the moment. Um, owner is um, about to face more criminal charges. He actually released his first statement regarding the charges brought against him, I think, today um, on Twitter. Um, also, shout out to Henry for correcting me. K-Mag also had a fifth place in Bahrain earlier this season, so it's actually not Hass's best finish of the year. Cheers for that, Henry. Um, much appreciated. Um, but yes, uh, more points for Hass is always nice for them. Carlos Sainz was running as high as third at one point as a result of all the carnage in front of him. Um, slipped a little bit through the field, but uh, if anything, the VSC kind of spared his butches at the end because... Uh, he ran out of power, like literally two laps from the end, I think it was. Runs out of power, but it was able. The VSC was able to get the car in limp home mode, and it was it was able to limp home in eighth place. Nice result for him there, you know, to get Renault's, but get both Renault's in the points in eighth and ninth with Hulkenberg as well. So uh, a nice home Grand Prix. I think Cyril talked about to the press about how he was he was very proud of the team. Um, yeah, there was a lot of red or yellow. In yes, the there was. I understand. I, like there, there was, a, there, like, you know how like you have Cesaro in the WWE. There was a sign section in the back. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of yellow on display, um, which was very cool to see. Um, nice to get, nice to have the life for Renault to have a home Grand Prix again. Um, very, very cool indeed on that one. And as mentioned, Charles Leclerc, who again followed up his brilliant um eighth in qualifying he's able to creep back into the points again um a 10th place finish for him which is now his fourth points finish in the last five races this kid is phenomenal this kid is absolutely insane um so he's tied with esteban Ocon on points granted Ocon has also had three retirements in the last five rounds but that's still something it's, yeah, he he's he's everything that was promised. Yeah, that that's a rare thing to say about a Formula One driver these days. But he is absolutely living up to the hype. As mentioned, fourth points finish in the last five races. He has eleven points so far this season already. And as I mentioned on Twitter a couple of days ago, he has now matched the total career points haul of his teammate Marcus Ericsson, who has now had eighty-four career starts. Charles Leclerc has matched him in eight. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, hot water there in the other side of that garage, maybe. But uh, Charles Leclerc, every bit as good as advertised. A good sign, indeed. Um, as we mentioned, McLaren in, in qualifying and the crisis they're going through. But uh, Van Dorn, 11th, a decent salvage job for him. Um, oh, no, no, no. They were, uh, Van Dorn was actually 12th oh, well. behind Romain Grosjean. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was one I did miss. And Romain Grosjean. Would have had points if he was not knocked out of contention with a five-second uh, time penalty added on to his stop. Ooh, what a bummer. Um, Grosjean, who's now up to 11 consecutive races without scoring, going back to the Japanese Grand Prix of last season. Um, Roman, come on, man. You're like, he's the one of only two dudes in the field who has not scored points. Um, it's, 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 it's sad times for all involved. But a uh, quick rundown of the, of the results itself. 
well, Lewis Hamilton winning by seven seconds over Max Verstappen in the end. Kimi Raikkonen quite a ways back in third ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, the best of the non-Gorilla Trophy participants. Sebastian Vettel recovers to fifth in the end. Kevin Magnussen sick for Haas, just ahead of Valtteri Bottas, who couldn't come past him at the end um, with a lap or so to go. Carlos Sainz limps home in eighth, just ahead of his teammate Nico Hülkenberg. Charles Leclerc rounds off the points in tenth ahead of Grosjean. Van Dorn twelfth. Marcus Ericsson, 13th. Brendan Hartley, who took a 35-place group penalty for uh, after replacing his entire power unit. Sad times at Honda again. Um, sounds familiar, that one. Um, Sergei Sorokin was was in 15th place, who also had a comedy five-second time penalty as well for, and I quote, driving unnecessarily slowly behind the safety car. <laughs> Sergei. So son, you can't you can't stack the bots. You can't back up the field from like the back of the grid. <laughs> like I have been watching F one for almost twenty years now. I can't ever remember a penalty quite as weird as that one where a guy has basically got a penalty for driving too slowly behind the safety car. That's a first. Like that's <laughs> that is a thing. That, that if that doesn't sum up William's season so far, I don't know what does. Has anyone got a better metaphor than that? Um, besides Lance Stroll's punctured uh, tire. No. Um, I, I, I got nothing for you on this one. Um, Fernando Alonso, who was very disinterested um, on yes. this one. Yeah. No tires. No power. No shirt. No shoes. No problem. And he doesn't care. Yeah. Just. Uh, he, he made it quite clear that um, things are not going great for him. And um, <laughs> Zoe points this out in the Discord, and I've got to mention this as well. There was a video on William's own YouTube channel, I think, talking about this. Um, there was interviews with Rob Smedley and uh, development driver Robert Kubica, who said the best upgrade the team has brought all season was their new pick gear. <laughs> Oh my and god! I'll be fair. It looks great. It looks yeah, it looks great. <laughs> it does look great. It genuinely looks fantastic. Um, I, I, I'm not here to argue the quality of this upgrade. Um, <laughs> but but Rob's reaction though is like, it, it, it's a joke, right? You're not serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super eagles, super eagles with your uh, your kit for 2018. Um, yeah, you got competition. The Nigerians have competition from from the Williams 2018 pit crew range. Um, if, if if Robert is making that sort of comment, which he t- guys, he was totally joking, honestly. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But um, yeah, that's just I think that, that just about sums up uh, Williams' miserable time at the moment. As mentioned, Sorokin 15th, Alonso 16th, Lance Stroll 17th with that late puncher. Um, and of course the three retirements RJ mentioned earlier Sergio Perez of an engine failure on lap 27th and Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly two of the three hometown boys didn't make it back to the flag on the opening lap championship standings uh, as, as we are now eight rounds through out of 21 Lewis Hamilton back in front with a 14 point lead on Sebastian Vettel at the top of the championship um, between the two of them only once, only one time as a car finished outside of the top five. These guys are going to be so hard to beat over the course of this season. It's ridiculous. Daniel Ricciardo back up to third again with his fourth place now on 96 points. Um, for those guys that are on the Ricciardo hype train after Monaco, um, 49 points off the top now. 
Just just pointing that out. Um, Valtteri Bottas on 92 points. Kimi Raikkonen on 83 in fifth. He's 15 ahead of Max Verstappen, who's slowly creeping his way back up the board with 68 points. Nico Hülkenberg back in charge in the best of the rest competition in seventh ahead of Fernando Alonso, um, who has now not scored since Catalina his home round um, with three consecutive did-not finishes, even though technically he, he finished here. But look who's ninth. Look at ninth. Carlos Sainz has sit straight points yeah. finishes. Yeah, he's coming up there. He's only dropped. Out. He's only finished out of the points once this season. Believe it or not, Carlos Sainz is very quietly putting together some decent results. Um, but it's just Hulkenberg's a little bit more consistent at the moment. But yep, twenty-eight points. To Carlos, 20, he's a point ahead of K Mag on twenty-seven. Pierre Gasly on eighteen. Perez on seventeen. Then, as mentioned, Ocon and Leclerc. Um, joint 13th on 11 points each as well. Constructors, real quick, a, a nice shot to the nose there from from Mercedes. There. They are now 23 points in front of Ferrari and the Constructors, 237 to 214. Red Bull, another 50 points back on 164. Uh, Renault, well, Force India said they can't catch Renault and they may be onto a point here. Um, Renault with 62 points now. Um, they're now 22 ahead of McLaren. And Force India in sixth now on 28 points. They're only ahead of Haas now by a single point after the double DNF. They're on 27. Toro Russo with 19, who again have only, have only had one car in the points in the last four weekends. It's not been a good, good, good time for him at the moment. Sauber inching their way up towards Toro Rosso slowly with Leclerc putting the whole team on his back with 13 points and Williams at the back still holding on to the 8th place that Lance Stroll had in Baku with just 4 points next round this weekend it's the Austrian Grand Prix in Spielberg and uh, King if your mans holds up my mans for the win again I will be forced to kill you on next week's show are we clear? whoa 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 we- Guess guess what is also going to be back next weekend? Three R three R S three R S three R S three R S is not a thing. The granddaddy of them all was not a thing. The granddaddy though, of though, them all. Yeah, we, we we need to have a, a brief discussion about the most tumultuous presidential administration in all of Grand Prix racing. Oh, we talk about the president of the French Grand Prix organizing, you know, body, Christian Estrasi. Because, man, he's been mm, trying to ignore that. Every, like, to him, everything's fine, guys. Tell, tell us more, King. So, uh, to Autosport, uh, he insists that he can verify that all 65,000 people who had booked tickets for Sunday's, uh, for Sunday's race was there, and all 25,000 people who had a parking space were at the race on Sunday. I know for a fact that is not true at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, uh, in the end, his numbers completely refutes anything that the press is saying. So the real question that everyone has to ask is, do we need to aim for 65,000 next year or 80,000? I'm con- quote, I'm convinced we need to aim for more next year. Oh dear god. <laughs> oh dear lord. And they were tro- And he said, <laughs> yeah, the quotes continue. All the viewers, if you check out social media, were unsure about coming. Next year will come. Oh dear god. Build it and they will come, King. You know what they say, right? Whoa, whoa! That that he starts that he starts going full. Uh, quote. Now, 
Now, we know people should stop being falsely ashamed of motorsport in this country. France loves motorsport. We won't let ourselves be bothered bothered by some anti-automotive lobbies. Some Grand Prix are run before 10,000 spectators. Some Grand Prix, there are not so many, and are run... (laughs) There there are not so many, and are run before... um, So much fewer spectators. And pretty much he goes on to continue that Friday was hell, it was a bit tricky on on Saturday, but on Sunday, everyone was here. Th- though he, he eventually acquiesces and says that uh, he'll work with Renault to convince the government and local authorities that we need to invest in, ro- in the roads. <laughs> you know the ironic thing was, didn't Bernie Ecclestone build a highway to Magnicore like just after he had cut it off the calendar? Yes, yes, pretty much. Wow. Uh, Bernie was able to convince the local government that they need to invest in the roads to rural Magni Corps. He did, and then he dropped the race from the calendar. <laughs> Though he... Nice peak bun. He, he ends his... Uh, President Strassi ends his statements with, It's not arrogance. It's not being full of oneself. I say it as it is. That pretty much uh, claims that over 400 million people watch the race on Sunday on television. And then that that 25 to 30,000 pe- spectators had a bad time. I regret it. I would have liked things to be different on Friday. But that means that there are 399,970,000 people who saw great sporting events. <laughs> <laughs> this man, like, like I, I thought my hype man tweets about Joseph Newgarden were bad. This takes it to a whole new level. This is, this is some shit. Um, these traffic jams are actually a good thing. Oh my! God. Yeah, it means only quality fans will get in the, the door. Sad. <laughs> um, we should jack up the ticket prices even further to make sure only the highest quality of fans get in. Wait, now we're just taking pages pages out of Silverstone's playbook. It works. I'm not saying it don't work. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) What a shit show that is. My God. Shall we we be positive and shall we talk more a little bit more about NXT TakeOver, the GP2 slash F2 slash GP3 edition of this? It's NXT TakeOver La Castellet. And folks, if you were missing that rain in the F1, you got it in the F2 feature race. You got just enough to make things wet and wild. Pour it down. Pour it down. Pour it down. (laughs) Oh, dear. This sounds sounds like a different sort of promo video. But, uh... <laughs> in 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 the feature race, uh, and despite the slippery but wet action, given that half the track was wet and half was dry, it was a win for George Russell, his third win of the season. Um, again, no, now no one in the field has uh, has won more races than him. I, I mean, RJ, what did, what, for the looks of it, it was complete domination by the looks of it, wasn't it? From what I understand, yes, um, Sergio Sede Camera was really his closest challenger. Made things interesting at the end. Camera had a pretty great late rally until he messed up the entry to the Mistral Chicane in the final laps, which kind of put the kibosh on any sort of challenge. Russell looked very confident, even when he was kind of nursing the car home at the end. Um, 
you just have to wonder, would he be leading this championship if not for his wretched weekend in Monaco? Um, because Probably. Because Lando Norris uh, did not have such a good feature race. He was one of the drivers that stalled on the grid and had to basically limp home to a 17th place finish. Oof. More grid stalls. More on that very, very shortly. But um, in that sprint race, Russell held off Sergio Sete Cameron second. And, well... We thought Roberto Mehi was going to finish in third, which would have been a nice little throwback. <laughs> but uh, guess what, kids? F2 scrutineering was like, nope. Disqualified, giving the third place to Luca Giotto in the end. So uh, good for yep. him. Because on Roberto Mehi's car, all four tires were below the minimum tire pressure specified by Pirelli. Uh, Ooh, that's the Silverstone 2013 special. Ooh. <laughs> the intentionally loads like, like okay if you're getting one tire wrong you see how that might be an accident how do you get all four below the limit like that, that like in other words you bloody cheated that's what that is like you, you don't get that wrong by accident do you i mean that's oh that's God. ridiculous yeah we yeah we got some good racing especially um as russell and camera broke away from the rest of the field every other position had some uh pretty good good battles through the field Indeed, indeed. Um, fun times, indeed. Right, sprint race on on the Sunday, and it was Nick the Freeze who finally breaks his duck and takes his first win of the season. Um, it's been coming, I have to say, RJ, because he's been in the mix for quite a handful of rounds now. He's never quite had the the perfect run, nothing to get him a sort of victory here. But this time, it all came through for him. Oh yes, indeed, he. Uh... He got uh, he got past Louis Delatraz, who came out a very good second. Very quietly, Louis Delatraz is putting his season back together after some larry moments at the start. Made a late pass on Luca Giotto to uh, take second place. So Giotto double podium at this event. Not a bad way to go at all. Antonio Fogo fourth place in fourth both races, and Lando Norris coming back from sixteenth sixteenth on the grid to finish in fifth on the day that England laid that beat down on <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't all great for the British drivers. As, uh, I'm pretty sure George Russell had to be wheeled off the grid because he had issues yeah. with his throttle. Yeah, had to be wheeled off the grid, finished two laps down, and uh, that wasn't even the worst that happened to Jack. <laughs> Jack Aitken spun it going to the grid and did not stop. Oh, dear. Oh. God! <laughs> How did he spin the warm-up lap? How? Yep. Motorsport ain't coming home, y'all. Uh, it's all... Motorsport's coming home to Korea? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I also feel very bad for my son, Tadasuke Makino, who was missing it up very much during the feature race. Got eighth place taken off of him by Nicholas Latifi, but then got promoted back to eighth after Mary's DQ. So, hey, he's on reverse grid pole. And then sinks like a stone off the grid and retires after six laps. I don't have any vested interest. What are you talking about? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Not in a million years. But um, let's be real here. Probably the biggest news story coming out of Formula 2 this weekend was, of all things, a radio message. Um, tell us more, RJ, because this was very interesting. and I think it pretty much went viral and resonated with a lot of the motorsport community. Right. Um, 
Arjun Manny, who is one of Haas's development drivers and uh, driving for Trident in Formula 2, very recently quick kid, uh, put out a radio message uh, after the race, and I quote verbatim, I swear you guys don't support me at all. I do this every blanking session. You can't do this to me, mate. I have no blanking power in the corner. Why doesn't anybody blanking believe me? I don't want to race in this championship anymore. F dash 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 this. As you can see, he took it pretty well. Um, yeah, he was clearly emotionally distraught. Like, he... He and sounded devil. That's not the first time he's been emotionally distraught on the radio, um, because I remember um, he was very upset at Baku when he uh, when he fell out of contention. But this one, oh my goodness! Yeah, it, it it wasn't pretty. And can I just say as well, anyone who was going out of their way to take the piss out of this man for his comments for situations that weren't his fault, um, they can kiss my ass. Like. You are idiots. Fuck you, and stun the beat. Like, have a little bit of respect for a guy that's trying to clearly work his ass off. Because, as as Arjun pointed out um, afterwards, like, it's ridiculous. Like, like, it, it's it's becoming evident, at least from where I'm sitting, that these cars have a quality control problem, and this shouldn't be happening in a series of this magnitude. Period. Um. And, like, instead of actually listening to these, you know, high-ranking drivers complaints, because, you know, he wasn't the only one that talked about this. I know Daniel App did, Felix Rosenquist did. Um, A lot of guys that have either raced in this series or know these cars or know the junior ladders, um, except Fernando Rees, who just wore wore a tinfoil hat and said, you know, they just just want certain drivers to do well. Um, But, but, um, no, it's, it's more to it than that. And it's... It's sad to see that, you know, one of the better drivers in this series, a guy that has worked very hard, had top five finishes this season, is... Race winner in GP3, probably India's best Formula 1 prospect, um, mentored by Karun Chanak. Archimani is a good driver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like, to, to expand on his comments, after the race, he kind of, you know, further expanded on what he said. And he said, all weekend... We lost almost seven kilometers, seven kilometers an hour down the straight. Wow. We had a problem with free practice. Uh, they said there was a pipe that was melting. We replaced it for qualifying. It melted again. We had no straight line speed compared to my teammate, Santino Ferrucci, or anybody else. Uh, they said Ferrucci they fixed the... was not happy on the radio either. No. Uh, they said they fixed the problem. Race one, I had no straight line speed again. We have to check the data in race two, but I had no straight line speed. I think a few others had the same issue as me, and some of the engines are pulling like crazy. They say it's a one-make championship, but it's not a one-make championship. It's a joke. What's going on, what's going on in the championship right now? I'm speechless because they, the organizers, go around, going around like nothing's wrong. And it's a joke. They're killing our careers like this, completely destroying them. Yeah, Santino Ferrucci doubled down on this on Twitter when he said, The series is surprised nobody asks for an official power check on their dyno because they only charge you an outrageous amount of money just to tell you that everything is okay. The F2 engines and technical issues are a joke. Not to mention my engine blew up in race two. Um, yeah, Santino Ferrucci's got Dale Coyne TBA money. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's an extraordinary amount for him. It's an extraordinary amount, 
And remember, they weren't the only drivers that had problems. Russell got wheeled back to the pits. Nirai Fukuzumi got wheeled back to the pits. Markelov, Bosch, and Hameri all stalled. Guerrero broke. Guerrero had technical problems. Makino broke down from the race. Um, which begs the question, you know, this is the successor to GP2, which wa which introduced the GP211 in 2011. Um, at that time, they were doing three-year development cycles on the car. Um, they were going to have a new car for 2014, but they decided because the technology that they would have ideally liked to use was too expensive, they held off on it and held off on it. This car that they've introduced is ideally... Um, it's five years too late. Um, how in the hell do you have such quality control problems on a car you are technically five years late introducing? That that, that sounds completely ridiculous. It's <sighs> this, this, this should not be a thing. Like, how do you spend five years developing this car, basically have it be five years overdue, and you still have an eye out the kinks? Not to mention, I mean, we've not even mentioned all the freaking awful starts that we've had where... We've had at least 20 stalls on the grid so far this season, and probably I'm probably underestimating that figure. Um, it's ridiculous. And they have no time to fix it. They have no time to substantially fix it because they're going to Austria next week. They're going to Britain the week after. Basically, their, their one quick fix is that you can switch to rolling starts as a temporary, uh, temporary Band-Aid. It shouldn't have to come to that, that's though. Ideally, yeah. And that's not going to yeah. get fixed until Belgium. And this is, you know, a series that has already had open requests. Like, t like more teams are interested into in coming into the championship, and they feel like there's nothing wrong because there's outside interest from teams who want to join the Formula Two grid. Yeah, it's it's utterly ridiculous, and I and I, and I, I can only hope these issues get sorted to get get sorted really soon because. The, the, there's a lot of noise coming from that pocket of junior motorsport, from a lot of very experienced names uh, of outsiders looking in who, who know what the situation is like. So, yeah, it's it's not ideal, to say the least. Um, RJ, tell us more about GP3. Yeah, speaking of... Uh, yeah, let's go back to something that has uh, good, reliable track records. GP3 happened. Um, it was an ART double double victory uh we thought dorian bocalacci was gonna take the win in front of his home crowd for mp motorsport he took full position and pretty much dominated the feature race until yeah disqualified from the race giving the win to antoine hubert in the feature callum islet took the victory in the sprint race to finally get off the schneid and take his first GP3 series victory. So that's three victories for ART Grand Prix drivers in the first four rounds, with Mazepin winning the opener in uh, Catalonia. Whew. Uh, should we get into the news, fellas? Though, I yes. do have to mention one story. Uh, oh, yes. Renault dropped... Well, Renault announced that they had dropped one of their junior drivers who was racing in GP3. Uh, one Will Palmer. Oh, oh another God. one. <laughs> and Renault just cutting Palmer's left and right. Yeah, and... Mm, so, it's weird because uh, in Autosport, basically... Palmer told them that he's prioritizing going to university over GP3 and racing in 2018. Really? 
<laughs> like, uh, if, if you take that at face value, then that's that's pretty good. If you take that at the value of like, well, Reno's just cutting Palmer's left, right? Yeah, and suddenly the discussion changes. A little bit. Yeah, it's not it's not ideal to say the least. Um, so Reno and like. He- yeah, and he was effectively replaced with a driver who's arguably better than he is. Christian Lungard, uh, 17-year-old uh, champion of Formula 4 um, SMP, or as we call it, Formula 4 Russia. <laughs> oh, sorry, he's 16. Uh, yeah. He's very, very good. Double champion of Formula 4, won the, won the Russian and the Spanish titles. And signed to the Renault Sport Academy. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a name to watch pretty soon. Did not have the best of weekends this time out, but you know, still not, still doing all right for his first time in a car. See what he does in Austria and Silverstone. Indeed, indeed. Um, in, into the news. Yes. yes. Um, this we have the best win quote of all time from the late great champion sprint car racer, five-time champion sprint car racer Jason Johnson when he won the 2016 Knoxville Nationals. That's Knoxville, Iowa, not Knoxville, Tennessee. For those of you who aren't first in short track racing, we said after the interview, "Oh, the dude squeezed me, but shit, I really wanted to win." Jason Johnson passed away in a racing accident this past weekend at Beaver Dam Speedway. Of course, that's it's very sad news in the sprint car racing community, and we definitely send our condolences to him and to his fans and family uh, that was uh, that was a tough loss in that community um we had a uh, some interesting stuff happening in formula one in saudi arabia did we not <laughs> yeah uh it, it might be sad news or great news to others but this is not a story about a greatest grand prix so <laughs> sad <laughs> Well, uh, recently, uh, it's it's been publicly known outside of Saudi Arabia. It, I mean, it's become publicly known outside of Saudi Arabia that uh, there is a, a station in Saudi Arabia that is broadcasting Formula One without owning, without purchasing any broadcasting rights from Formula One management. They did not get the uh, express written consent. Yes, they did not get the express written co- consent of Formula One management, and it's not a first for this station because they had also uh, had been broadcasting illegally uh, the the group stage matches so far of the FIFA World Cup, and earlier this year uh, they've been broadcasting UEFA Champions League games, and UEFA and FIFA had threatened to sue the station if they had not ceased and desisted. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll throw a YouTube copyright ban on you. <laughs> um, now, uh, this station is known as Be Out Q, and that that name's going to be important, so we'll circle back to that later. So, the owner of the the actual rights for the Middle East and North Africa for uh, UEFA competition, FIFA competition, and Formula One is be in sports in in Qatar. <laughs> right. Yeah. When there is a trade ban between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, which is uh which is cut off be in signal in Saudi Arabia, so the state government is just like we'll make a be out now. Yeah, we'll make a be out now and to 
get into the context of why there's a trade ban. It's not just between Saudi Arabia and Qatar. It's a Saudi-led coalition of uh, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, uh, Egypt, among other countries in the Middle East who have basically placed a blockade on Qatar over... Uh, accusations that Qatar has been uh, funding terrorism across the region. <laughs> ah. And that there is also issues that if this blockade continues that uh, there might not be a 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Uh-oh. <laughs> because it wouldn't be feasible to host it. And if you look at, uh, if you just go on the Wikipedia page, all the information on the Wikipedia page, that if if you look at Qatar Airways' route since the blockade, that they just don't fly anywhere in the Middle East anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because they just can't. It's, oh, Jesus Christ. What a sh- What is it with this, with this episode and shit shows today? Jesus. Oh, dear. Oh... And all this after, and all this just as you've lifted your stupid ban on women drivers, where you had <laughs> over a hundred, like twenty thousand women all came in to register and drive. Could you imagine how terrible that must have been if you had to work at the DMV? Not because of women, <laughs> but just because of the sheer amount of people all applying right. at once. Yep. I I wonder what took longer to get your driver's license that day, or to get from your hotel room to Circuit Paul Ricard. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I haven't asked a fair answer on that one. Um. <laughs> Will Smith's Miami. Will Smith's Miami. We have a we have a new proposed layout because uh, American Airlines Arena, the home of Dwayne Wade, does not really want to uh, have Formula One on its shores, mm-hmm. so um, they've decided to uh, propose a new layout. Uh, using using that same Miami Bridge, but it will cut across the Bayfront Park in Miami. That name may ring a bell to uh, to IndyCar slash card slash champ car fans of a certain age, king of myself, because uh, yep. that's where they used to have the Miami Street races. Yep. Bye bye Formula E. Hello Cart. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Um, so tell us more a little bit about this new layout then, because like, I, I don't think I've actually seen this yet. I, I think it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm clicking, thinking, oh, oh my word, okay, that's different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were startled. Just, just a little bit. Um, it's, it's a pickaxe. Nice. Um, like, I think, that, I, I feel like this is going to be very, very fast in some mm. parts. Like... Good luck with that hairpin. That's all I'm saying. Like, that's going to be, like, first gear, 25 miles an hour, Lowe's hairpin style at Monaco, coming in from, what, like, probably 210 plus, I would say? Mm, I, I don't think that the hairpin's going to be that bad, because you got to remember, it's like, it's like six lane high. Lanes wide. Yeah, 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 12 it's lanes 12 wide. Lanes wide. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. The uh, the image laid out does not demonstrate um, just how wide that Miami Bridge is. Mm-hmm. So you still you still ideally want to slow down for it, but it's not like you're going to be taking this about you no know, twenty five miles an hour. Right. I think it it it's less Lowe's hairpin, more hairpin at Montreal. Mm-hmm. Oh jeez, um, that could be interesting. But like, I think it's better than the last one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is actually much better. This is fine. 
I like this. I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's it, it's it's unique. And if anything, in terms of F1 circuits, we need unique. We do. That's we, true. We don't have enough of it. We don't have enough of it nowadays. Definitely. Can we take inspiration from uh, from our next venue, Pikes Peak, Colorado? <laughs> Pikes Peak? The race to the clouds. Former venue of the USAC Champ Car Series. Actual fact, it was actually on the national championship <laughs> calendar. Yes, it dirt was. Dirt road. <laughs> oh my god, they were fucking but crazy. Now, but now it's paved, and uh, now we are we are sub eight minutes. Romain Dumas broke the record in an electric Volkswagen. <laughs> says he still had ten more seconds left in him on that. Good line. lord. Golly. I do- yeah, so... Th- Mm, like I need to find because the the second to last time that USAC ran there, uh, Mario Andretti actually won. Oh wow! Uh, I feel old now. <laughs> right. So for previous contests, the previous overall record at Pikes Peak was an eight minute thirteen set by Sebastian Loeb in a Peugeot two hundred eight T sixteen in two thousand thirteen. Dumas in his Volkswagen IDR electric powered car did it in a 757-148. Jesus. He smashed the record by over 16 seconds. Yeah. I, I can't. We're, we're sub eight now. I, we're sub eight. And he said he backed off because of because of visibility up near the top. Jesus. I I, I, I can't. I'm, obviously, we're being all electric. Imagine the torque off this thing coming out of the corners. Dick. God. Oh, I, I've seen, like, uh, social media footage of, like, the start. Like, that thing just jolted off. Jesus. And Romain's doing this a week after he raced at Le Mans. This dude don't quit. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I need an onboard of this. Like, this needs to happen. Yep. Like, now. I want to see... Put it in Put it in Gran Turismo <laughs> Sport, please. Yes. <laughs> and I, I found it. Mario Andretti's winning time from the 1969 Pikes Peak Hill Climb was a time of 12 minutes, 44 seconds. Romain Dumas confirmed better than Mario Andretti. <laughs> that's, quite, that, that's quite the bold claim. Um, I, I, I need to find this video of the onboard and then keep it in a bank somewhere for special occasions um <laughs> because that that that's that's pretty special dear god um hey we got a feel good story for the week as well uh, we got uh biddy yes. goes to f1 and it's our be- it's our beloved yes. billy monger everybody um shout out to billy monger aka billy Wiz. he's getting a test in a 2011 sauber the one driven by kobayashi perez and for one round only pedro de la rosa it's been painted up to look like the uh, the 2017 car. Um, he got his first test in it uh, today. That is June 26th. Um, definitely, definitely a feel good story. And you know, always hoping that Billy can move up that ladder even further. Indeed, um, we never quite know what's going to happen. But him, like, I mean, also that 2011 Sauber looked fantastic. I have to say that like that was great. But uh, oh, I, I I do sincerely hope that um, he, he, he continues his rise up the ladder. So that's always a good feel good story when Billy Mogger gets to do cool shit. Um, so yeah, great to see him and uh, great to see the uh, he, like uh, also the pictures of him being there. The sheer joy on the dude's face. 
that's, that was awesome. Um, so, with the F1 and the news out of the way, after this quick music break, we'll be back to talk about IndyCar and the Collard Grand Prix of Road America. was a doozy um well when i say doozy what i really mean here is <laughs> i think this was more a case of death of a thousand cuts by one joseph newgarden um my word Tennessee stand up, baby! S- someone's happy <laughs> All I can say is the one has successfully been defended, and that well, in in a, in a one race sense, we, we're still working <laughs> on that championship though, and this is definitely going to help when you lead when you take pole position, lead all but two laps, and go on to win the race comfortably. Indeed, I mean, it it, it wasn't that easy on the face of it, but I mean, Newgarden qualified on upon pole position. He, to be fair, he he looked like he was pretty much. The fastest car, pretty much all weekend. He was fast in practice. He had he he, he qualified on pole position um, during the fast six by half a tenth ahead of ahead of his teammate Will Power, um, who sadly just just his car just completely died on him after the rolling start went underway. Put the throttle down and just nothing, um, which is you know probably really bad news for Power's title run at this point um, by finishing stone dead last. But Newgarden was in a dogfight pretty much the entire race by Captain America, Ryan Hunter-Ray, who I think truly is back now. My goodness. Um, Hunter-Ray took full advantage of Power's um, powerless issue, shall we say. Pardon the pun. And uh, pretty much followed him the entire race, RJ. It was... It was like it was, the gap. I don't think was any more than maybe a second and a half until the, the last three laps, when I think Hunter Ray gave up the ghost and just took the second place. But uh... which is fine. That's his. Uh, that's his fifth top five finish in the last five races. If you leave out his twentieth at Long Beach, his eighteenth at the Indy Grand Prix, he has he has eight top five finishes this season. If not for those two races, he could probably be leading the points. Yep. <laughs> Oh dear! Um, yeah, Ryan is Ryan is back on that lion. Indeed, <laughs> he's back on the lion and riding it to uh, podium finishes in this case. But uh, try as Hunter Ray might, he was never even able, never even close enough to really even try a move. Try a dive or anything like that. New Garden just had it under control the whole way through. It was a brilliant, just brilliant, focused, flawless ride. Um, on this one by 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 New Garden, um, on this one and yeah, just just won it brilliantly, just just super super strong stuff, um, just didn't give Hunter Ray an inch and by the proof of that, Hunter Ray didn't need a single lap. Every like he followed him on everything, followed him in in the pits. Penske kept New Garden out in front, just didn't give Hunter Ray any sort of chances at all um, to get back in the mix on that one. But uh, in third um, was Scott Dixon. And Dixon was doing Dixon-like things. I mean, whew, oh boy. Um, started in eighth was was a genuine shock that uh, 
he you know, he basically didn't make uh didn't make the fast six so to speak um and yeah. well <laughs> by clever fuel saving running longer and basically saving time in the pits by not having to refuel the tank quite as much he leapfrogged cars left right and center and eventually we're finishing third <laughs> Scott Ditson making fuel on his on his pit strategy. Who would have ever seen Never! <laughs> Not a million years! Yeah, it, it, it's scary to think that Scott Dixon has only finished lower than sixth this season once. Jesus Christ. That was at Long Beach. Where he finished Just seven. peak Dixon right here. Um... And it's, it's, it's drives like this. I mean, he, he never quite had the car to really challenge for the victory. He faded off towards the end of a lot of his stints. But that was a hell of a third place. Um, there was 10 seconds clear of anyone else challenging for him for that position. We'll get to why in a minute. Um, but uh, Dixon, just another Dixon-esque driver. He just gets the maximum out of a bad day. And that's what champions do. And that is why he now has a near 50-point lead in the championship fight. More on that in a, in a bit. But uh, the other, I think, major drama um, we haven't mentioned yet, um, as RJ puts it in the set, he calls it beef history. Totally not an SB Nation reference. But um, Alex Rossi's been to the wars again, folks. Um, and, yeah, not one, but two uh, controversial clashes um, in Sector 2 of Road America. Um, up the hill towards turn six. Um, on the on the opening lap, it was Robert Wickens. Um, Rossi refuses to give Wickens an inch, runs him into the grass. No penalty from the stewards. Uh, Wickens drops a couple of spots. And he, in the later on in the race, he did the same, he almost a carbon copy, ex- the, the exact same move to Takuma Sato. Puts Sato in the grass. He drops a couple of positions. No penalty. Um... <sighs> I mean, it, it wasn't a good day for Rossi, and he suffered suspension damage and um, had had to had to take an extra stop. He would eventually finish the race in 16th place, which has now put Rossi back down to third in the championship race. Um, but, uh, King, what did you make of these two clashes? <laughs> in the words of Robert Wickens, karma's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not an Alex Rossi safe space, unfortunately. Um... <laughs> I'm going to go both barrels on this. He should have been punished for both of those incidents, in my opinion. You don't run a car off the road. What happened to giving a driver a car width of room? Um, like, he had enough space, in my humble opinion, to let Wickens and Sato run the outside line on that corner. Um, I think... I think Rossi was too aggressive on this one. I think this was a classic case of him being rough around the edges. Now, I know... Robert Wickens did not hold anything back in his post-race comments regarding this. And I think the, the main quote was, the common denominator here is Alex Rossi. And yep. to be honest, he's got a point. Um, it's, it, it's, it's not the first time we've been critical of Alex Rossi's driving standards. We talked about this in Detroit. Um, I know it's not as a result of the driving that Wickens was talking about here, but uh, you know we, we like to think that a smarter driver probably doesn't um, harass his teammates so hard into making a mistake, which is like like the mistake he did, which cost him dearly as a result of a punch of tire and whatnot. Um, that was a bad day. He fell to 13th that day in Detroit race two. We know about I think Saint- everybody. Yeah, everybody's hung up on Saint Pete. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
St. Pete where he puts wheels on the paint despite, again, having having seen Scott Dixon make the exact same error um, earlier on in the race. Um, Rossi puts two wheels on the paint, brakes hard, loses control of the car, takes Wickens out on the outside and robs him of a win. Now, Rossi denied that this cost him points. It blatantly cost him at least a second place that day in St. Pete, at least in my humble opinion, which yeah. is significant because that's, that's eight points between second and third in IndyCar, barring bonuses. That's significant. Uh, yeah. Right now, if he had those eight points, he'd be second in the championship instead of third. Yeah. Like, he's like, only third on countback. Yeah, he's only third on countback. He's, yeah, he's 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 third on countback because he has more pole positions than Hunter Ray does. He has two to Hunter Ray zero. But yeah, like there is no argument here. Like Rossi's driving style has cost him significant points. Now, I am I said this on Twitter publicly, and I will say this here again. He is definitely better than his mistakes make him look. He is yeah. he is by all accounts one of the best all rounders in the series. His he Alexander Rossi is elite, my dudes. Yes, he absolutely is. He is also still rough around the edges. Yeah, uh, but like, if, if this was you know last decade, he'd probably have been in a he he would have been in a punch up by now. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! Courtesy of uh, courtesy of uh, NBC Sports commentator Paul Tracy, who was in a number of punch ups just in the back half of twenty two thousand six alone for shit like this. And then yeah. goes on to comment that this is just good, hard racing. <laughs> See, Paul Tracy never learned his lesson. That's why he was in a number of punch-ups, not just one. Yep. Out of all these, he was cast as the face in those feuds, which is, you know, I'll, I'll get to that set later. Uh, <laughs> out of all this, did, of, of all the up-and-coming drivers, would anyone have ever pegged Alexander Rossi, the guy always written off as having you know, the most bland personality of all the young Americans in the field. Would anybody have seen him um, going for this full heel turn, pseudo heel turn, uh, heel turn? I would say, personality-wise, Alexander Ross is, like, the same person. He's never going to be, like, publicly angry with anyone. No. But, yeah, I'd expect him to be this aggressive. He has everything to prove and nothing to lose. Remember, this is the guy that at one point only wanted to use IndyCar as a stepping stone to get back into F1. He's always had a high opinion of himself. He's always had his head screwed on a certain way. Um, He's always been aggressive as a driver. That's what he does. That's his driving style. Um, I'm going to be honest here when I say for sure, like... I don't like when we try to box drivers into the box of he's a hero and he's a villain. I think that's just lazy a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, th- yeah. I think driver personalities are more complex than that, and I think they require a lot more nuance and t- looking at incidents more on a case-by-case basis as opposed to putting them in a box and saying, this guy's a villain because he took somebody out of a race. Because when you, when you say someone is a villain in a Grand Prix situation like that, it encourages their shitty behavior because in their eyes being a villain is a good thing because it's quote unquote different different isn't necessarily isn't doesn't yeah exactly different isn't necessarily good now i've seen people put videos on there and people like like matt like archuleta on twitter talk about how you know indycar needs a villain no it doesn't it, it doesn't need a villain i've never watched an indycar as a race series in the last four years and you know what this race needs this needs someone to take somebody out so we can call them a villain I've never watched no, the Robbie like, think that. Like, mm, I'd say, it, like, I wouldn't say IndyCar needs a villain in that sense. No. I think IndyCar needs rivalries because it, 
it, it is a bit dull that the drivers are so buddy-buddy with each other that they can have a massive accident. And they're, you know, it's just fine. It's just fine. Don't worry, Graham Rahal will win a race later this season, though, and the cycle will repeat itself all over again. Um, but, I mean, Though, I mean, King, you make like, a valid point, because let's let's not forget the, the whole catchphrase of the series was indie rivals no less than two years ago. So... Yeah. And Alexander Rossi's in the situation where he is literally one of the most sought-after drivers on the grid. Before he re-signed with Andretti Autosport for his current two-year deal, he was sought after by pretty much every other team in the field. Sure. And he's pretty much, he's pretty much there to... In his mind, rack up as many wins, championships, and Indy 500 victories as possible for the rest of his career. Right. And that's fine. He's in an opportunity where he can do so. That's perfectly fine. Absolutely. Just don't get in the habit of uh, hip-checking guys up, bro. Yeah, that would be yeah. great. Like, like... The- you didn't have to do that in GP2 or <laughs> Like, listen, Alex Rossi... Like, it, Alex, it's, no, go on, King. Go on, King. It, it's the same problem that I have for, with Fernando Alonso. I know you're that good. Everyone else knows you're that good. You don't have to act like it all the time, though. Yeah, it's like, don't be a dick about this. Like, Alex Rossi is more than talented enough where he doesn't have to run dudes off the road to be successful. And there is no justification for that. And anyone that's saying, oh, he's, that's just him being a villain for IndyCar's sake, that doesn't justify his shitty behavior on track, okay? Um, so let's stop trying to siphon people into boxes, because that's what lazy people do. Um, so, yeah, like, Alex Rossi is, 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 is incredibly talented, but just cut, that, cut the bullshit. I don't need to see people do that. Like, that's... Like, you're good enough where you don't need to resort to such cheap tactics to... to, to come ahead and by the way the stewards why did you sit on your goddamn hands graham rayhall made three defensive moves into a breaking zone um earlier on in the race i mean that that's indycar's mo they're always very hands off they were very they were i think we got like three penalties and two of them were drive-throughs all of it was for pit stuff they were clamping down on stuff in the pits but they were very uh shall you say laissez-faire when it comes to the on-track yeah i just didn't understand that at all because like like it's it's weird because sometimes they'll they'll flag people up for blocking. It's inconsistent. Sometimes they will throw one place position penalties for blocking. And it's the same yeah. people. It's the same people. That yeah, do this. it's Rahul, Rahul, <laughs> Rahul, Rossi, and, a, and you know Kanan's another one from you know not so much now, but certainly I've seen TK pull this off on numerous occasions. And it's the same stewards who work every weekend. Yep. But sometimes they will just be in different moods. Like, nah. Ah, it's Rossi. Let it go. He's fun. Um, but yeah, the, the Rossi shuffled down to 16th after the suspension failure. Rob Wickens ended up coming back to finish in fifth. Another top five for there's only one Bobby Wickens. Good to see. And confirmed as well, as, as good news for you Road America fans out there, three more years of it on the calendar going forward for IndyCar. And I love that because Road America is my favorite track on the calendar. It's one of my favorite tracks, period. I love it. Um, it's awesome. Um, so, I, I I am here for all of this. So um, I, I I I can't wait to see yeah. it back on the calendar again. I think it's great. R.I.P. Phoenix, though. You you had a good run. Not a lot of people came, but you know it's going to be probably repurposed if you believe certain rumor mongers out there. It's going to be replaced by Miami, Homestead Miami. Ooh. You know the 
Miami, ooh, the destination ooh, ooh, of America. Ooh, ooh. Roll, roll it, roll it back, roll it back. Oh, uh, oh, we don't. It back? We we don't know if it's Homestead, Miami. It's it's a rumor that was started by Robin Robin Miller in the same article where he said ISM Raceway wasn't coming back, which. Oh, that's my pet peeve about Robin Miller. He mixes, like, his news and opinion pieces, so you can't tell fact from fiction. Oh, God. But, though, but think about it, though. Does it not make sense to have Miami as the destination capital of motorsport in America where you have the NASCAR finale and potentially an IndyCar finale, too, and potentially a Formula One race all in the same year? Yes, that does which, make sense. Like, not, not only would it, it never happen. Not only would it all be in the same year, it would all be in the span of three months. It is open. So, Indy Lights of Penance, uh, we had uh, two good races, and Colton Herta just keeps picking up the W's. Uh, in the first race, he extended his winning streak out to four wins in a row. Uh, but perhaps the bigger story came in the second race of the Indy Lights season, uh, the Indy Lights race at Road America. Victor Franzoni, one of his uh, mentors, was a uh, was a pro Mazda gentleman driver by the name of Jeff Green, not to be confused with the NASCAR driver of some repute. Uh, last weekend, Jeff Green passed away in a historic Formula accident in Canada. So this was Franzoni's first race back after the death of the person who he helped mentor as a driver and the person who himself get him some funding to uh, kickstart his racing career, win the Pro Mazda title last year. Uh, Franzoni then turned around and won that second race. Uh, his first win as an Indy Lights driver, he set the fastest lap, uh, he led the most laps, and got on the board with his first victory, which was really, really awesome to see. Indeed. Well said, Mr. O'Connell. Um, whew, uh, just to run down the IndyCar results and championship standings real quick. Joseph Newgarden, as mentioned, winning via death of a thousand cuts um, by just over three seconds over Ryan Hunter in second. Scott Dixon on the podium in third. Nice drive from Takuma Sato in fourth there for RLL ahead of Robert Wickens in fifth. Graham Rahal, who again refuses to uh, to get out of the top ten. He just sneaks his way in there every single round. He's... he's, 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 he's just stalks that like six to eight zone every race. It's ridiculous. Um, sick for Ray Hall on this occasion. Simon Pagano in seventh. Not too bad from him. Spencer Piggott. That was a hell of a result from Spencer Piggott there. Hey, I think that's just one off his career. Best result of the season. Yep. Just one off his career high as well. Spencer Piggott in eighth place. Nice to see him up the top there again. That's some of the talent um, shining through there for him. Um, Ed Jones in ninth, um, James Hinchcliffe there from 16th to 10th, not a bad recovery from him after an awful qualifying session, Marco Andretti 11th, Jordan King uh, in 12th place ahead of Sebastian Bourdais, um, Tony Kanaan in 14th ahead of his teammate Matthias Leist in 15th place, Alex Rossi as mentioned down in 16th due to his suspension damage, ahead of Max Chilton in 17th who beat his teammate Charlie Kimball in 18th place. Gabby Chavez in 19th, uh, making his IndyCar debut, Alfonso Chedis Jr., um, in Dan in 20th place for the Jinkos Racing Team in the end. Zachary Clement DeMello in 21st, Zach Veach in 22nd, who set the fastest lap of the race, um, but also had a damaged steering rack in his second stint, which ended up dropping him down the field, unfortunately. And a drive through penalty to work. Of course. Um, pit stuff, shall we say the least. And, of course, Will Power, sadly, at the back. 
in 23rd place on this one. Again, just just a just some sort of weird engine problem. A bit of a Penske thing across the board of the weekend because Newgarden had a similar issue in practice. But uh, sadly, Power gets it during the race itself, which has now dropped him down to fifth in the championship, which will break down right now. Scott Dixon, as a result of his third, has extended his championship lead now to 45 points. Um, with 393 ahead of Ryan Hunter Ray, who's as mentioned is ahead of Alex Rossi on countback, more second places. They're both on 348 apiece. Joseph Newgarden back into play now with 343 points in fourth place. Will Power now on 328 in fifth. Graham Rahal another 50 points back in sixth. Um, Robert Wickens now closing in on that sixth place result now with another solid top five. He's on 274 ahead of Simon Paginot's 255 in 8th, Sebastian Bourdais in ninth with 235 points, and Marco Andretti rounding off the top 10 on 232 ahead of James Hinchcliffe on 229. Next race up for IndyCar, it'll be the Iowa Corn 300. Where are you? Glory to Corn! Glory to Corn and your French friend. Um, That'll be in two (laughs) weeks' time on July 8th. So look forward to that. And gentlemen, I think we're just about done here, aren't we? Yeah, I think I think little closing segment because sure. uh, while the Homestead Miami thing is you know essentially a rumor, Mark Miles already confirmed that we're gonna have the same amount of races next year. There is gonna be a replacement venue, right? Where do you th- like? Where do you think that's gonna be, and how would you fit that into the calendar? Like, would you just slot into Homestead spot? Would you put a different spot in the calendar? I mean, slot into Phoenix's old spot or a different spot in the calendar. Mm, I don't know. Like, that's, that's, that's the thing. Phoenix gone now leaves a big gap in the in you know, in the front of the uh, of the calendar. Now, I think it's now going to be six weeks between that and the opening round. If if you just theoretically removed Phoenix, like you've got to push some of the rounds up now, surely. Like, like. Yeah, like you've got, like you can't just have that six week gap after the opening. You don't want a Formula E esque situation here where you kill all of your series hype after the opening round. And St. Pete is no guarantee for entertainment. Um, so, like, if you're gonna replace it, are you gonna put Homestead there in the two spot now and make it maybe? I don't know. Two and or three then you would have afterwards? two races in Florida. I guess. And the thing is, like, they've already confirmed that St. Petersburg will be March 10th. Uh, the same weekend it, it was this year, and Long Beach is still going to be April fourteenth. So you've got to have a round in between now, surely, because you can't push Long Beach up. Um, yeah, and and traditionally Homestead is whenever what was on the open wheel racing calendar. Most of the time, it was at or near the start of the season. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you've got any better ideas, could you move? Could you theoretically move another round that drastically? Um, well, uh, Barber uh, doesn't have. Yeah, Barber doesn't have a date yet. Five hundred to March. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, but yeah. Actually, move Barber to March. It would be much cooler there. It's- yeah, Barber doesn't have a date. Uh, yeah, most of the other rounds except Road America, Toronto, and obviously the Indianapolis Five Hundred and Indy Grand Indy Car Grand Prix don't ha- like they have dates. Every other round. Uh, that's confirmed so far. Mid Ohio, uh, Gateway, uh, and Barber—they don't have dates, so they're able to be moved. It's highly rumored that Gateway is going to be next year's season finale. Whew. 
that's that's probably why I don't think it's gonna be Homestead. I th like I think we're gonna see Watkins Glen back that early on in, in like in other words like late March, early April, maybe. No, like I think they're gonna slot Barber up in that gap right. and pretty much make Watkins Glen the second to last round. That works. I mean, that's where it was last time. It was, it was the penultimate round. Yeah. Round, and that, they could just put that back in there. I don't think Watkins Glen are against having an IndyCar race there. It was just a timing of it that caused their problems. So that, that theoretically could work. I'm still putting for a Fontana comeback. Just don't have it in the middle of August where it's like 100 degrees and like 8,000 fans showed up. <laughs> Yeah, like middle of August in the middle of the day and not a night race. That would help. Um, <laughs> that would certainly help. And I'd probably say one last question. Uh, Paul Ricard, would you make any changes to the track layout? No. No, the track layout is... The track layout's fine. It's the cars that are the problem. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm Ooh. Mm, I, I would get rid of that chicane on the Mistral Stripe. Actually, mm, I wouldn't get rid of Chicane, but one thing I would change is, uh, uh, scenes the the flat out corner at the end. Uh, I don't think that's good for the current cars. It looks amazing to see those cars take like a corner flat out two hundred miles an hour, but there's an alternate version where where you know it's they have it listed as a Chicane, but it's not really a Chicane. It's basically like a sharper version of that corner. Like make it a breaking corner, and then you'd get another overtaking zone. That could work. That could work. Overall, I give the French Grand Prix about a... I give it a solid six and a half pastiches out of ten. Sure, that works. Yeah. Six or six is about Yeah, if, like, if this was the box standard Grand Prix that we'd pretty much get on any given weekend, I'd be fine. If this was, like, the basement, F1 would be fine. Yeah, I'm... That, that, that'd be absolutely fine by me. It was not a terrible race by any account. It, you know, we got a bit of extra drama because of the bigger runners f fighting their way back up. So, And I'm totally okay with that. Shit happens. Um, so, without further ado, I think we're just got about ready to wrap this up here. So, places you can find us one more time. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can check out our new website at Motorsport101.com, including the brand new written piece by yours truly on the state of play at Ducati's MotoGP team at the moment. There's also probably going to be another one soon as well, uh, talking about Yamaha's current situation, who, you know, now... Well, if they get to Aston this weekend and they don't win there, it'll be a full calendar year since their last oh. victory. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the situation there uh, could be a problem, to say the least. And I do actually have someone to blame. I'll give you a hint. He wears yellow. Um, I may be stoned for this, but uh, that's all I'm going to say. All right, after that, so yeah, we're on Twitter at uh, Motorsport underscore 101, and if you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. And if you really, really like us, um, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live. Episode 66 of Bike Live will be, will be up this weekend. It'll be a review of World Superbikes at Laguna Seca this weekend, this past weekend. And guys, you're all going to be shocked. Jonathan Ray won both races. 
I know, I know. <laughs> you, like you're, you're, you're all shocked um, as he took his 61st and 62nd career World Superbike victories in a dominant fashion, pretty much on that one. And hey, nice to see Eugene Laverty back on the podium as well. Uh, I think the first time for him on the Aprilia since his MotoGP falling out, and just since that awful injury he had earlier this season where he very nearly died, um, cracked his pelvis all over, and you know broke a leg. It, it wasn't great. So nice to see Eugene back on the podium as well we'll break down all of the world superbike action from laguna seca and the series in general because there was a lot of talk about balance in the books again it's become a bit of a world superbike running story at this point but uh, all of that on bike live this weekend for episode 66 episode 65 is already up check it out already if you want to relive all the action from catalonia and bsp at setterton as well and that'll do it for this week's episode so until next time i've been andre harrison They've been RJ O'Connell and Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. God, don't you dare take Diego Maradona from us, damn it. <laughs> to be fair, if... Dre, I, I... Dre, both Rossies in one week? Both Rossies in one week? Are you trying to die? <laughs> Clearly, I don't want to be on this planet anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been nice knowing you, everybody. Like, if, if anyone finds me, just know that Sarah Connor's probably killed me. <laughs> Either that or one of the hundreds of millions of Valentino Rossi fans out there. It's been nice knowing you, everybody.